Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Nesson Dorma Draft. You may think that the Champions League has already expanded too much, already too bloated, and it's going to get worse pretty soon. But maybe this is the genesis of all that. 1999-2000, two group stage, um, more television revenue, but that meant more games, more fun, more goals, and more players for myself and my three guests to try and steal from one another in order to make the definitive, unique... 11 from the 99-2000 Champions League. Joining me as always is Rob Smythe. How are we, Rob? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Very well. Very well. Um, Rob Fletcher is an expert on 90s English football. How confident are you you're going to be able to extend that that knowledge into um, the greatest level of the sport? Well, any excuse to sit and watch YouTube compilations of every single goal from any Champions League tournament is always a joy. But it was good to see there's quite a lot of big names and up-and-coming names in this one. So there's there's plenty of choices, I feel like, in this one. Yeah, there's a lot of players. Uh, your debut was uh, a good one. You and Rob, I don't know if that poll's actually closed at the time of, of recording, but you and Rob are neck and neck in that 92-93 um, English Premier League one. It was a very impressive stuff. We have another debutant. Um, well, he's from Scotland, but he's joining us from South Carolina, the United States of America. Alistair Ben, you have done a lot of work as a kind of retrospective tactician and analyst of, of 90s football. Um Welcome, first of all, but, but how confident are you that your expertise and that the, the European game is going to serve you well here? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on. Listen to the pod a long time. So, um, yeah, finally getting on here is, is, um, is fantastic. But like uh, Rob was saying there, just the opportunity to go back, look at players, look at teams, look at games has been um, it's been a real joy for this, uh, this little exercise. In terms of picking a team and picking players, I think we're, you know, there's a wealth out there. It's, um, I guess, the tough part is just trying to make them all fit and sort of look through modern eyes, right, of how do you fit in four number 10s? I mean, I'm going to try today. There's a lot of those. Yeah, there, was, there, was, there are a lot of those lads kicking about. Um, Rob, I, I vividly remember being on a bus from Parma back to Milan in the December or late November of 1998, Rangers had just been knocked out by Parma and thinking, my goodness, um, it's pretty tough at this level. Imagine getting to a European Cup final, Champions League final and discussing with my pals how many games you would have to play next season. Whoever's going to win this is going to have to play an incredible amount of games because we're going to have two group stages. It's expanded, it's huge. Your team, of course, were holders of the Champions League going into this season. What do you remember of that defence and the, maybe not the literal defence, more of which later, but the, that, that that new format, which, of course, we're, we're kind of used to now? Yeah, I think at the time it was kind of exciting. You know, at that time, I was still naive enough not to realise everything was being driven by money. Um, the defence itself, yeah... They kind of, it kind of never really got going until they sort of. It wasn't just the the um, Champions League; it was Premier League as well. They kind of didn't really get going until about February, March, mm. in both competitions, and then they went on. They, they kind of breezed away from Leeds in the league, and it looked like they were peaking at the right time. Uh, they finished a group pretty strongly. They drew Real Madrid, which was a good draw at the time in the quarters because Real were a complete shambles. Mm. Um, 
But then, they, yeah, they that game I found fascinating. So they drew 0 nil away to Real Madrid, but they're actually really lucky. Bosnich was the best player. Then at home, they lost 3-2, having been 3-0 down. And everyone talks about Real teaching them a lesson. I don't really buy that, actually. I've watched the game a couple of times. And at 1-0 down, United were fantastic. Casillas made a lot of saves. Karanka should have been sent off for a handball on the line, albeit barely perceptible, but in the age of EI, it would have been. Then they got kind of picked off and went out. It was incredibly frustrating because... The kind of aura of that team died They in that one night and they didn't win another knockout game for about seven years, I don't think, in the Champions League, which is crazy. Mm. Um, so it's, it's one of the most frustrating games I can remember as a United fan, really. Definitely one of the most pivotal because not only did it end United's aura, it kind of restored Real's, which they then obviously mm. wanted to win three of the next five. So, yeah, it's a great game, though. Like, genuinely a really fascinating, multifaceted match, the uh, yeah, second yeah, leg. Rob Fletcher, did, Rob's talked there about you know Real Madrid coming at that quarterfinal in a bit of a mess. A lot of the stories in this tournament, you know, Bayern, which I will come to, are spawny in in, in plenty of uh, occasions to get to semi final. Valencia, uh, both in, in one hand, looked so impressive and so um, well drilled and so slick, but you know they they started that second group phase um, very tentatively and, and were maybe a wee bit fortunate to, to get through. That's not what we usually uh, think of. We think of cup football, and maybe that, that tells the story that the Champions League was becoming something that, that bit bigger. That It's almost like describing a league season where you can have uh, ups and downs and, 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 and momentum flows. I think the first part of the 90s, sort of as it switches into the Champions League from sort of 92 onwards, there's no real team that dominates at all. Juventus were probably the team in the middle of the decade getting to successive finals, but there wasn't really a team where you thought, if we draw them, we're definitely going to get knocked out or we're definitely going to get through. If you look at some of the smaller teams as well, they were so competitive, the likes of sort of Rosenberg, Mulder, those sort of other teams that now probably haven't got anywhere near any resources to even compete in a level in the Champions League. So I think even with the expanded format, it was still quite an even competition. And you probably think there wasn't that many teams who were running away with it. Barcelona, probably the sort of attacking team who were sort of blowing everybody away. But even then, it looked like they had a little chink in their armour at times. You know, Milan don't do too well. So I think it's quite a good period to watch of the Champions League because that sort of money hasn't been funnelled just to the top of all the domestic leagues and then just to the top eight, ten. European teams, and it's probably this is where it's sort of on the turn, isn't it? Where those things yeah. start to change. Rosenberg is, is just so evocative of a, a team that was genuinely dangerous. You did not want to to, to kind of draw those, but yeah, there, there were a, a number of clubs who felt genuinely on the cusp of, of of that top table, and within a few years would seem a million miles away. Speaking of one of those, Alistair, we'll get this out of the way. You know, you and I share the same fondness for 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 one club. Um, Rangers had knocked out Parma again uh, in the qualifying round. It felt as if anything was kind of possible after knocking out a team like that. Handed probably the worst draw. Maybe Arsenal's draw uh, was was the only one tougher because we had we had both PSV and Eindhoven, obviously no mugs, but also Bayern Munich and Valencia, um, who would go on to. to Pretty much been what every final for the next three years, and Bayern had been in uh, one one previously. Um, it was it was very tough, but it it did feel genuine. This sounds ridiculous now, but it did feel that 
you know, a club like that could could have a, a shot at getting through to that second group stage and, and you know, goodness knows what else. I, I think this this time, Martin, and you'll remember this as well, is a time, it's still an, a fairly new team. Obviously, Advocat's been there for a season. A lot of these players have have been part of that. So there wasn't that much change from the year before. Maybe only one or two players going into the team. But there was a confidence about the club. There was a confidence certainly about the management that we can compete at this level and good enough tactically to manage at this level. Players can operate at this level. Didn't feel like we were reaching too far. Clearly, when you look at the level of player, uh, you know, Valencia and even PSV, to be fair, you know, the, the, the highest end's probably higher than ours, but the, the lowest end certainly wasn't. You know, we didn't have a huge drop-off like a lot of the clubs did perhaps at that at that time, certainly when you look around the competition. It's interesting you mentioned there, though, about the draw as well. Like, it's, I was trying to look through this as to the seeding and how things all sort of worked out. Obviously, coming through the qualifiers, Rangers were always going to be up against it from a seeding perspective. I mean, some of the groups are <laughs> ridiculous, really, when you, yeah. you look at how things have all that sort of fashioned out. It probably would be better spread now, I guess. Um, but even just looking at some of the qualifiers, you know, we're, we're seeing obviously about the, the quality of teams. This is still very much the part-time era of, you know, the, some of the qualifying scores are, are, are insane. You know, it's certainly a lot more competitive to get into it now. I guess like the guys have already said, the, dif- the differences now are the top end. You know, Bayern Munich now would blow every team away in this group, you know, Easily four or five goals now, so it's yeah. it's not even close. You know? And they were hanging, and Bayern Munich were hanging on. I mean, I, I went to five of those six um, games in that that group. The only one I missed was Eindhoven away. So I was in Valencia for the start, away up the top of that mistake. I think Italy and Spain, they just chuck away fans as high up as possible, get them out of the way, don't make any noise. And it, it was a bit of a lesson, um, but very strange I guess for me to just to watch that high up really look, look like it's a beautiful pitch and you, there'll be a few players that we will speak about on this show I'm sure pulling strings and you can see that in a way that maybe you, you maybe hadn't previously just kind of where, where you sit where you're kind of normally uh, used to watching football and I was in Munich for that final group game Rangers just needed a point hit the woodwork three times just about everything but score uh, and Bayern had already scored a penalty so they were more than a little fortunate to get through those things Incredible footage of Franz Beckenbauer just having kittens up in the the, the stand. He was kind of president, I think, probably at the time. Um, uh, Omar Hitzfeld was, was had his, I think, his big coat just a bit over his face uh, as it went into injury time. This, you're absolutely right. Bayern Munich in that group would cruise, um, what, 16 points or whatever, 15 points, whatever um, needed. They would just absolutely smash away, uh, and it just wasn't like that anyway. Gentlemen, let's get on with the key factor. You ever talked about the the, the the difficulty of the draw? What will um, the draw generate for us today? I will get it up so you know there's no shenanigans. So if I'm last again, no if I'm last again, I'm logging off. <laughs> We're using a different order. Here we go. Oh, no. Okay, fair enough. Ali is first, then it's myself, then it's the two Robs. That's going to get uh, uh, a bit confusing or difficult for me but yeah Rob Smythe then Rob Fletcher so gentlemen um, formations Ali you're the man to speak about this so how are you going to set up here probably three going on at this point I think Real were playing with a three we're on the three kind of five two and 
Valencia might be Bayern. more of a diamond, and Bayern sometimes a four-three-three. But yeah, um, what, what were you going with? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go the or I attempt to go the three-five-two to be or three-four-one-two. I guess to get that classic number ten in there. I'm I'm, I'm going for um, hopefully this works out a bit more of a sort of few vibes players, as the youngsters would call it now, <laughs> with uh, this sort of quality. But um, but no, that the, the attackers. A bonus looking through the defenders in this competition that were sort of you know slug picking really in terms of high performances, but attackers, my goodness, there's there are lots. I'm looking at a Real Madrid defender who I, I, I wonder if he'll make Rob Fletcher's team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go four four two, but with a, a diamond, I'm gonna get that kind of Valencia shape because they they did. Um, they broke my heart and then they, they they won it a wee bit. They were they were great that season, so I'll go four four two. Try to get again, as you say, Ali a, a number ten pushed in just behind uh the front two. Rob Smythe. I'll go uh four two three one, I think. But you're right about the lack of defenders. This was a kind of very short golden age of attacking football, wasn't it? Kind of mm. culminated in Euro two thousand, probably. Yeah. And then yeah. it kind of and then- and then Life was not the same again, was it after? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. forty-three-one-three. Oh, wonderful. Um, Rob, well, what? I'm going to go for a three-five-two-four-three-three-four-four-two hybrid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm going to I'm going to match Valencia and, and yourself, Mike. I'm going to go for for a four-four-two sort of diamond kind of. Um, yeah, system until I get really pacey wingers, then realise I need a four four two. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's um, that's how the draw uh, looks. So we'll we'll get cracking. Alistair, it's your first jaunt. Um, who are you going to go for? The the whole board of the Champions League of of ahead of you. So, so go with my number ten pick, and, and an easy one would probably a a player that won the Ballon d'Or that year. However, I'm not going to go with that player. I'm going to leave that player for for you boys. I am going to go for one of the most underrated. Probably the wrong word because he's a terrific footballer, and people all think he's a great footballer, but he just isn't spoke about in the sort of realms of great players. And that's Manuel Rui Costa with Fiorentina that year. He was on the sort of crest of wave of how is this guy still at Fiorentina, but at the same time utterly devoted to the club and doing his best to keep them in the division? I think they just finished second or third, maybe the year before. Um, and they're obviously at that period now where they're sort of hitting the cliff edge. I think it's a couple of years later they get relegated. But he sort of is dragged out, kicking and screaming to uh, to AC Milan. But yeah, he was he's arguably one of my favourite players ever. He's a terrific footballer, and um, and yeah, that's from the first pick. Fair enough, uh, Rob. You you ended up in Fiorentina's group, didn't you? That that second phase mm. group, and they, they they just lost out on that on the last night. I think they they did they did not need Manchester United and Valencia to draw. I know that, and they didn't yeah. help themselves because they, they ended up drawing three three themselves. Um, but they looked they were in Arsenal's group at the start. And batter shoot at Wembley, etc., etc. They just looked brilliant. They looked frightening. Yeah, it was kind of classic Italian team in a lot of ways. Trapattoni was manager, wasn't they? Mm-hmm. So they kind of, yeah, they knew what they were doing. And those two up, Rui Costa behind Batistuta was, yeah, just fantastic. Okay, um, 
Well, I kind of have to go for this player because again, in, in that night in Spain, um, there were a few players that, that were doing damage, but but none more so, I don't think, than, than Gaisca Mendieta. Um, and especially at Ibrox, I, I don't think I've seen many players better, to be honest, in terms of individual performance in a, in, in a team sport. Just that, that controlled tempo. There are other flashier players, and as a teenager, you get your eyes um, drawn by the flashier players. Um, but I, again, it might have just been the altitude or whatever I was up there. <laughs> uh, I've just been able to see the whole pitch like sensible soccer, really. Um, it was just a lesson in this more intelligent uh, midfield player who was just running the show. Again, there are others who I'm sure will all get picked today. Um, but but Mendy, it was a, a bit of a revelation for me. Um, sorry, Rob. Which one? Oh, no, yeah, I let you let you off. Although he was definitely right up there in one of my picks, <laughs> and one of the coolest and best penalty takers of all time. The way he just strolled up and just like, yeah, go on and sit down. I'll put it the, the other best. Way. I'm probably the best. I mean, it, it, it's Spain I'm right up there. Yeah, It'd be right up there. Spain put Ireland out the World Cup in 2002. Yes. I think in a penalty shootout, and even in that um, environment, he didn't look at the ball. He just looked at the goalkeeper and just waited, and it was just this incredible game of chicken. Um, said once you dive, well, I'll just I'll just slot it away. Such was his comfort with his tick. Nick, uh, Martin, is it, is it worth sharing the story real quick before we move on? I know we'll talk a lot about Valencia, but what the Scottish media described well, Valencia is, as before the Rangers true. game. Uh, Valencia had a bad start to La Liga before the Champions League kind of kicked off proper in the September, and. Um, <sighs> 50% ignorance and 50% just putting the pressure on Rangers. Um, they compared Valencia to Aberdeen because Aberdeen had also had a dreadful start <laughs> in Scotland. So the, the Aberdeen of Spain is, is I think, how yeah. the, the estimable Hugh Keevans described them as they ripped us apart in the second half. Rangers should have been ahead at halftime, but it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Rob Smythe, then, who are you going for first? I'm going to go for the man who won... The UA for Football of the Year that year, and also stripped Hedingberg naked. It's um, Fernando Redondo. Yeah. I, I just can't resist it, really. The, the, that moment is probably the greatest moment of the season, but also just a fantastic kind of deep-lying playmaker. The, the game at Old Trafford is incredible. Ferguson said he was a magnet to the ball, which is a great line, but it kind of, well, that says, of course, his positioning is brilliant. But what I find interesting about that game is Del Bosque spoke about United's tactical anarchy, really kind of witheringly, and the press went with it. But that day, his midfield was Redondo, Savio, and McManaman. Now, you need a very, very good number six to get away with that. Um, and, yeah, Redondo was that player, really. Um, such a shame he barely played after this season, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And stuff. Um, I think to, to a small extent, the kind of glory of that Berg moment Means that people remember him possibly as being slightly better than he was, but I still think this season he was fantastic. Um, and it's, I want to ask about because... that, Rob. Sorry, I want to ask well, about it's, that. that, that it's yeah. such a moment, and it's just such a just. Well, I mean, you, it literally is a moment. This isn't a game. This is yeah a second but... of skill and 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 uh, ingenuity and invention and, and vision, um, and because it's burned into the memory, and then twenty odd years later, it is it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, does what this, I would does say, this inflate everything? 
I, th I think it does to an extent, and also because he was so elegant. I think that's quite. I think that's important. People like obviously left foot players. But what I watched that game a couple of times. I did a long thing on it years ago, and he is just in the whole game. He is incredibly good. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's difficult with all Real Madrid players in this though, because which part of the tournament you take? Obviously, you take the business on where they win it. But all these players also play when they lose four two and four one to Bayern in the second group stage. But mm. I think ultimately he and they peaked at the right time, and he was the best player in what I still think, and this might be kind of Anglo or United centric. I still think that was the most important game of the whole season, the one at Old Trafford, um, and he was the best player on the pitch. So. Yeah, and also one interestingly, I don't know how this if this is still the case, but so Mendieta was UEFA's midfielder of the year, but he was UEFA's player of the year. I don't know how that works, but anyway, uh, I've long been up trying to understand UEFA and the, yeah. the polls and teams and, and whatever else. Yeah, I good just choice. Thinking, just one last thing. So he obviously didn't play in '98. I think it's because Passarella didn't like his hair or something. But yeah, imagine well, him that, he, he, imagine I think it was him, actually. Imagine him with Veron in the form he was in in '98. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's a midfield. Um, but anyway. I think that that's that's literally true, isn't it? That yeah, it I think was it because is because he wouldn't even refuse to cut his hair. Um, mm. Wild. Rob Fletcher, you have the double dip um, as compensation for for going forth. Well, I do. I, I almost feel like I want a Brazilian strike fast, but I'm only going to choose one of the two for my strike fast because I realise that. Getting someone at the base of that midfield is really important. So the first player that I'm going to pick is Rivaldo. And he's going to be in as the second striker. And he scored all kinds of goals for Barcelona. He got the fans off the seats because he was such a different kind of player that we've seen. And I think what's quite interesting about someone like Rivaldo, and I talk about this quite a bit with people that sort of you chat football about, he didn't have a very long peak. No. But his peak was fantastic. And the quality that he showed in that very short period of time was incredible. But he didn't really have the longevity that you see with modern players. But then I do think, looking back, how many of those players actually had a really long peak? Even if you look at someone like George Ware, you know, he and Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, redefined that position. But he didn't have a very long peak, you know, in, in European terms. So Rivaldo's the first one. I'm continuing a theme from the 92-93, and I'm going for <laughs> full shaven head, Kino, still banging a few goals in this season, actually. A still lot. kind of that sort of heartbeat of that United side. And the difference in him over that period of time is huge, but he's more like his earlier United self mm -hmm. in this season than just before and just after whether he kind of felt like he had something to sort of pay back yeah. after missing yeah, the final. <laughs> but he, some of the, I mean, I, I love Roy Keane and some of the goals that you see, I mean, he busts the net from like 10 yards out in some of the games where he's making sure he's found the back of the net. So yeah, I was tempted to put another striker in there, but there's millions of strikers that I can put with Rivaldo. So I think getting Roy Keane in there, I think is an important one, especially now there's no Mendieta or Redondo. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, that's that's a good, good, it's a good double, it's a good double for sure. The Rob, um, back to Rob Smith then. Oh yeah, sorry, uh, I was just mm. daydreaming about Roy Keane then. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, that still breaks my heart. That anyway, he's one goal. Um, yeah. What a weird thing again, right? Just quickly, and that tie, I've watched the whole time. Ninety-nine point nine percent that tie, he is flawless. He is yeah. one of the only two outfield players who turns up in Madrid along with Giggs. 
And in the home game, he's flawless apart from two moments. The own goal when it's kind of classic. He, he, he can't delegate sometimes. And the, then he misses a great chart anyway, never mind. Um, I'm going to pick someone who I usually ridicule on here, but who I think was fantastic this season, and that's Roberto Carlos. Um, and I probably overstate slightly, but I do genuinely think when he was bad, he was abysmal. I'm thinking of tiny shoelace and trying over, but when he was good, he was just unstoppable, really. And I think he played every minute in this tournament. I think, I think he's the only player who did possibly. Think of a few moments. I mean, he absolutely wipes the floor. I know Beckham scores a great goal in the second game, but he Carlos wipes the floor with him in both legs. Um, I think he made four or five goals, he scored a couple. Um, I just think this was the kind of I think in my head, this is the kind of Roberto Carlos him this season, certainly the bits I can remember, is the kind of image, the broader image he has, just every mm, kind of good aspect yeah. of his game working. I mean, again, you know, there were times when Royal stuffed earlier in the competition, but again, when it really matters, um, and it was a huge thing, you know, at the time with him and Beckham, um, because obviously all the hype around Beckham, he just wiped the floor with him. And th- there's a moment, and it's only a small thing, but so the nil-nil draw in Madrid, and everyone's nervous about the away goal at Old Trafford, as you'd expect. And early on, he forces Gary Neville into a mistake. Neville was having a nightmare that season. And I think Van der mm. says, but that, that kind of really set the whole place on edge. And I think from that moment, you kind of the, the jitters kind of started with just that one, basically him just pressing Neville. Um, yeah, and I think he was just kind of a force of nature this season. I'll have it, but also because I think there weren't an amazing amount of left-backs. So... Um, Yes, he will do for me in this particular season. Yeah, there, there, there weren't. Yeah, well, you've changed your tune from the, the, the World Cup one, that's for sure. He didn't um, try the overhead kicks this time. No, he didn't. He didn't. He, he learned his lesson, clearly. It's personal growth. Um, <laughs> okay, football can be often kind of cruel, uh, even for the most decorated the players, players that, that win a lot with the clubs. Um give their all for the country and it never just doesn't quite come off and then they retire and then the big one lands. It happened for Paolo Maldini, of course. How many goals did he have it with Italy? And then he, he left and he won the World Cup. And similar, I think, can be said for uh, Raul Gonzalez, who, for all Real Madrid's fantastic players, and you've mentioned two South Americans already, he seemed to be the heartbeat of, of that team. I loved him as a player. Um, this is probably peak... Peak Raul, probably, I think. Um, I thought he was superb. And I was convinced at the end of this season, absolutely convinced that Spain were dead set for Euro 2000, um, even with how strong France were. They, they just, that kind of Madrid core, um, the way that they, they, they finished up there, uh, also didn't happen. Um, I may, however, just stick him at the top of that that diamond. I was maybe going to use Rivaldo for that um, as well. I think both are quite flexible. I'll, I'll have uh, Raul at the, the, the peak of my diamond behind two, if that's okay. And well, it is because I make the rules. But there we are. Raul is is there. Um, Ali, you have two picks. So my my two picks. I'm going to focus on the the back. The first one is going to be. Um, a player who chipped in with a fair few goals this, this campaign, um, set-piece specialist, uh, Sinisha Mihailovic, had absolutely no memory. He was a centre-back. I have no idea why until a game I watched last year. I did a, a, a review on the site. It was for um, 
was Lazio in Milan. It was a four each game, I want to say, in Rome. And no memory of playing centre-back. Watson playing, absolutely strolled it. Totally out of shape. How this guy was <laughs> at this level, I have no idea. Probably smoking the changes at half-time type job. But um, amazing passing range, obviously. Really smart footballer. Obviously, like, a you know, guy's a warrior. No one's messing with him. So in, in terms of my sort of in-keeping of vibes players, he's very much in there. Um, and then... I'm going to go for a goalkeeper because our bonus slides is, is slim pickings for uh, for top level keepers, and this is sacrilege that who I'm going to pick here based on who he injures Martin in the game uh, in Munich. I'm going to go for Oliver Kahn, and the reason why I'm going for Oliver Kahn, there's a couple of other keepers who I think are probably better all rounders. If Oliver Kahn played football now, I honestly think they would have some sort of law that they couldn't pass it back <laughs> to him. I don't think he, he could even kick the ball properly. <laughs> but he was uh, he was a mammoth of a man and, you know, one of those leaders that, again, I just don't think you see very often now. And it's odds when you see him now in this sort of administrative sort of management role <laughs> of, of, uh, of running a football club. I certainly didn't see. I thought maybe got into career politics or something, but he... Um, yeah, it's, he's, for me, probably one of the best keepers, if not the best. Yeah, he was the best keeper in the world around that period, without question, I think. Yeah, um, I really don't want this to become a, a very kind of club-centric um, conversation, but th- that is one of the most, um, for those of you who don't know, in, in the first half of that um, Rangers trip to Bayern, Can comes out to midway in his one half, Um and it, the legend is that you know he crunches into moles. Michael Moles, who was on fire for Rangers' new new sign from FC Utrecht, and Moles ligaments went, and that was him pretty much done. Um, it's the most overrated bit of violence in the history of football. Can just basically kind of shepherds him out, and both players are actually quite sensible around it. Moles just lands badly, as so many of those those injuries. Ah, oh, it's just about the, the the landing rather than the the, the the contact. But but can was vilified for years. But absolutely, um, quite enjoy playing that pantomime villain from memory. Uh, okay, thanks, Ali. Uh, I need the defenders are not brilliant, so I'm just going to try and get what I can um, up front. Um, this was maybe the last season of Mario Jardel. I have a soft spot for him. Um, he was a super player, um, despite what Archie Knox says that he, he, he couldn't trap a bag of cement. He, he was an incredible, uh, incredible forward. Um, ah, there's, there's maybe sliding doors there with his own career and, and, and how it, it, it dropped off and ended up at Bolton Wanderers and, and, and whatever else and what permits and passports and or Portuguese passports were. Uh, probably the the root of all that. Um, I think I think United were interested as well, Rob. Um, mm. Probably around this time, maybe as a cover for the the, the injury to to Van Nistelrooy mm. that that summer. Um, but again, same same issues uh, arose. He couldn't get to the, to the UK. Only his wife had a Portuguese passport, so uh, he was superb. That Porto team, my goodness, talking about Bayern Munich. I know they were monsters at this time. I know they were in this final or the final before, and they would win it, of course, the, the following year. Um, but that 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 game was was heading towards extra time. That that quarter final with with Porto uh, and a, a header, I think, in injury time. Not long after this man had had equalised. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go for, for have you, Mario, the originals. Have you 
if you watched all his headers in this tournament, they are immense. There are three or four that are just incredible. And we're not talking against crap either. I think they played Real, mm. Barcelona, and as you say, Bayern. Um, yeah. yeah, he was quite high on my list. Like, just genuinely stunning headers. From when he signed for Porto, I've just worked it out now. So he signed for Porto in 1996 to when he finished at, well, he, he played his last full season in 2002. He scored 259 goals in 260 games. <laughs> in all competitions yeah, in wow. six years. Absolutely <laughs> insane. Imagine how good it would yeah. be if he could grab a bag of cement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Rangers had signed him. The, the deal was done. And we were told, or Walter Smith was told, no, the, the, the admin will be fine. He's, his wife's got a passport. That'll be fine. That was not fine. Uh, and that, that, that went tits up. And... Yeah, those those stats. I was aware of those, Rob, and it has haunted me for the, the, the best part of <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, he has to be in my team because he's, he's he's brilliant. Uh, Rob Smythe. Well, my favourite football is gone, so I'm going to pick possibly my second favourite, Yapstam, um, who was, I think, as good as any defender in the world at this point. Um, United bought him partly because he was so good one-on-one, um, and that kind of... Yeah, that was probably one of his biggest strengths. Obviously, he was huge, but also quick. But I think this season in particular, everyone around him had lost it, basically. There was no Schmeichel had gone. There was no regular keeper because Bosnich couldn't stay fit. Gary Neville was having by far the worst season of his career. Even mm. saw a psychologist for the only time in his career. Mikhail Silvestro was kind of feeling his way. And we thought there were teething problems. And it turned out there were just defensive problems that he had for all his career. So Stan was kind of a one-man defence, really. Um, and I just thought he was immense yeah i mean just I, I it's i can't imagine a worse defender to play against if you're a decent forward like what the hell do you do so he's that strong and that quick um caught here as well scored the odd goal um I just thought he was a, and because defenses aren't that good in this tournament generally i thought i would pick an outstanding defender i think he was the only defender in a year twice in a row but yeah i absolutely loved him and it's all it's weird this is probably Certainly at United, it was never quite the same again. The following year, he missed a lot of games, and then obviously he left in weird circumstances. But the first two seasons at Man United, he was, I still think he's the best Man United defender I've seen, um, ahead of even people like Ferdinand and Vidic, uh, personally. Yeah, good choice. Good and I choice. just loved him as well. No, I, I understand the, the the draw of the fans' favourite. Rob Fletcher, you have two. So I'm looking at these lists and I'm thinking I probably should pick a defender and I should probably pick a goalkeeper, but I'm absolutely not going to do that. So I'm going to try and pick <laughs> two strikers, I think. I'm going to pick two strikers. I'm, I'm looking at attackers and I feel like there's still quite a, a few really, really top attackers at play. So I'm going to go for Lewis Figo as my next pick. and I'm going to play him on the right of my diamond. I don't really care if he can defend. Um, but he can do whatever he wants. Obviously, his final season in Barcelona, they were a brilliant side under Van Gaal. I know they finished second in the league that season, but Figo won the Ballon d'Or, I think, that year. Mm, at the end of 2000. And he, he was brilliant. Um, the other player that I'm going to go for, I'm, I can't decide yet if Rivaldo's going to be that 10 off, he's going to be a second striker. But anyway, I'm going to sign Claudio Lopez of Valencia, who... Five goals and seven assists across the tournament. His speed was unbelievable. That Valencia, I mean, that Valencia team, like in that era when you're sort of growing up and you're seeing some of these players who are kind of 
in inverted commas, unfashionable, just light up a tournament. It's that's mm. the one of the best things about football. Claudio Lopez, like Adrian Ilya, Gerard, people like that. You just look at them and you think these are fantastic players. And and Lopez was one of those. I know he got his big move, didn't he, to Lazio, I think, on the back of this season. Was it the year after? Possibly. Yeah, yeah well, did what? he go with did he go with Mendieta? Because Mendieta went and twenty when it didn't work out at all, really. Yeah. Two, that's yeah. Two quick things. His hooked volley against, P- I think it's PSV, is incredible. It's like ball down the line over his shoulder. The other thing is, why do you think so many of this Valencia team, they just didn't, they were never quite the same, were they, when they moved on? I know I that happens sometimes. Some it was just that perfect blend. They had yeah, that perfect yeah. blend. Everybody fit exactly mm. where they needed to fit. Yeah. And maybe when we get to picking fullbacks or defenders, that, that back line, I think they just perfectly fit yeah. together. And I think Mendieta was perfect for that. It's such a shame. I mean, it's not a shame that he came to Middlesbrough, but obviously it's a massive shame that he came to Middlesbrough because that meant his top-level European yeah. sort of career. Didn't didn't fit Probably the same with Lopez as well. Yeah. Same with that Lopez be, too. That'd be a good pun on kind of one-club wonders who weren't my club wonders, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Just have one club where they were absolutely brilliant. And I'm not talking because of injury either. It's just that some places, like you say, it's either the environment or a team set up or whatever. It just kind of works. I tell you one person though who is absolutely delighted to be involved with that Valencia team was Hector Cooper, who was probably one of the worst managers in world football <laughs> and subsequently went on to do no- absolutely nothing. But I'm sure he's made a few quid off the back of that team. So yeah, I think he's still I think he's still managing now, believe it or not. But um but yeah. Two finals, two finals in a row. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good stuff. I'm going to just keep you calling your office. I'm not going to go into Fletcher. It sounds too much like porridge. I'm Inspector Mackay here. Keen <laughs> Figo, Rivaldo, and Claudio Lopez. That's that's lovely. Uh, Rob Smythe. I am going to... I should probably stop being boring and pick an attacker. I'm going to pick... Um, I'm going to have Ryan Giggs left wing uh, because I think around this time he was kind of peak gigs, and I think... The Real Madrid game I keep going on about in the first half of that, he is absolutely incredible. A 1-0 down, United batter them, and it's all through him, flicks around the corner, roasting. He beats about four players, at least one chance. And I think around that time, Giggs kind of had a lot of distinct phases in his career. At this point, he was not only just absolutely electric on the wing, but also he his best games were against the best opposition. He was always really good against Juventus. Um, and in this, what was a huge game against eventually European champions, he was brilliant. I mean, the rest of the season, he was fine. He scored, you know, goals against Bordeaux and other teams. But I'm thinking particularly around the Madrid game, because both legs, he was just a constant threat to them. Um, and I still think that game could have gone either way, that tie. And had it done, had United won, I think it would have been primarily because of, because of the way he was playing at the time. So, yeah, I think this is generally, apart from the really early part of his career when he was brilliant domestically, I think in European terms, this is kind of 98 to about 02. It, in fact, 99 because he didn't do a lot in the treble year. It is the kind of peak of gigs, I would say. So, yeah, I'll have him. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to continue my um, attacking obsession, even though I've got nothing at the back at all. But I just, I'm not drawn to, to, to many of the choices there. Um, I, I, I could probably save this guy because I, I don't think he would be picked by anybody. And he's, he's, his numbers over the whole, I don't think, were incredible. But as we've discussed in, in, in a lot of these drafts, that there are some consistent performers, but there's 
people who just stand up at the right moment. And Bayern Munich were one goal back in that semi-final second leg. They were um, on top in the game at home, trying to claw back that that 2-0 deficit from, from Real. And Nicholas Anelka um, pops up with a, a, a super, super goal, super header um, that killed it, really. The, 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 the air disappeared up into the, the the Munich sky, I think, from um, that, that very noisy and vociferous backing. Um, and that was a key moment, I think, in, in, in Real uh, winning this cup, because I think they were always going to win that final. Um, to be honest, as much as I love that Valencia team, it's Real Madrid and it's the European Cup and they, they just turn up and, and, and do that. That night wasn't quite um, as straightforward. So I'll go for Anelka, who... Again, at that time, we, we, we know it's maybe a career that, 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 that didn't quite live up to potential, but uh, at that time, the pace, um, the energy, the skill, um, he was known even even then as a kind of enfant terrible, but he was he's a cracking player. And, and I'll, that, I'll have him feeding off Jardel. That, that buying goal is a, is a Jardel header, funnily enough. It's really similar, just like a strength neck muscles. He, he's a really interesting one for this because he doesn't play much at all, but like you say, he makes a huge impact at the top. I think he only scored two goals in the tournament, I think, but they were both against Bayern, one in each leg. Second one, as you say, is not only a brilliant goal, but a timely goal. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting one. I, I never know whether players like that are kind of a good pick or a bad pick, but I can certainly understand the thinking behind it. Yeah, there's plenty of other goals. I appreciate that, but I, I need a... Jardel's got all the goals. Jardel is your man yeah. who scores every week, and that, that's absolutely fine. I need a... Well, you can... In, yeah, look, in the context of the tournament, you could argue his goal in Munich is the single most important goal, possibly. Yeah, given because, like you said, or, he kills it at a stroke, basically. Absolutely, the in, in the first goal. half, yeah. it's just it's yeah, just done. Yeah. It's going Ali, two for you. I'm going to go for um, two Dutch players, um, both of whom are with um, Barcelona at the time. First one being uh, Frank de Boer at the back, which. Again, real obviously modern age defender could probably play anywhere across the midfield, across the back line, full back, centre back, sweeper, whatever you want. Um, I know you boys mentioned him in the in the World Cup show a couple of weeks back there, but that you know magnificent pass. I think this is still in an age where a lot of defenders are still we defend first and then we figure out that whole passing dribbling thing later. He was very much the opposite to that. And even when you know by the time he got to Rangers, the end of his career when he's pretty much sort of packed it in. Probably one of the best defenders in the league at the time. Um, and then the other player I'm going to pick is, is Patrick Clivert, who, a bonus, is still is still a bit of an enigma for me. I looked at this, <laughs> I looked at a lot of his goals. It scores a bunch, and I, again, I'm not so sure they're always against the highest level of position in this tournament, because he scores a, a bunch in the, the early rounds, but just an absolute tank. And then again, talk about a career falling off the edge, like he's into the 2000s, and you know, by was it 2005? I think it is. He's at Newcastle and just sort of, you know, go through the motions. But yeah, it's it's a real odd career this one. But at the time for me, certainly, I, I think he was arguably one of the best about. Okay, a quick point on Clive. I, I'm not sure there was any forward at the time who could do what he could do. The problem is how often he did it. But there's two things. Like his goal against, I think it's Porto in this tournament. If he means it, it's amazing. So he he kills this long ball and then. It, he seems to kind of, you know, the Urzil stun where he stuns it into the ground. But mm -hmm. not only does he do that, he does it behind his own legs and through the legs of his defender over the goalkeeper. And it might be a bit of improvisation, but if he means it, it's amazing. Just one last thing. Clement and Van Nistel were born on the same day. 
And if you were to compare their careers, it's just interesting, isn't it? One was brilliant up to about 2002, roughly. One kind of became brilliant around that. So if you were to put their careers together, you'd have like an all-time great rather than just two yeah. extremely good forwards. It's another story of players playing a lot of minutes early on. Yes. So it's like, like people like Rooney who you know get to a certain age and the drop-off is huge because their peak started when they were 18, mm. 17, not 23. Yeah. Cliver, when you watch some of the, the way his body moves and the, his technique when he when he hits it, I agree with you, Robert. There was nobody doing that. And you look at his goal record at Barcelona. I mean, at that time, obviously, you know, we weren't scoring 40, 50 goals a season unless you were Mario Jardel, but it's phenomenal record, really brilliant yeah. record. He, he could link as well. He was such a good link yeah, player, one great. touch. Very clever. Okay, one uh, one more midfielder before I, I do turn to being sensible at some point. Um, and I'm a wee bit surprised. I know there's some big names being picked uh, in this this draft already. Um, I'm a little surprised that, that Keely Gonzalez hasn't been been touched of Valencia because he was superb. And again, Rob has talked, I think it nailed it very well, but just how perfect this blend that Valencia was and, and players just in gaps and did their careers post uh, really uh, live up to that. He was brilliant. And I've already got Mendieta there with whom he had a great um, working relationship. Um and feeding uh, the animals that are Jardel and Anelka. Yeah, um, Gilly Gonzalez for me. Um, anyone surprised that, that that star was so bright and then meh? I don't know. I think, like you said, maybe it was just that environment. But yeah, he had an absolute sledgehammer of a left foot, didn't he? Mm. It was him or Giggs for me. I put Giggs just slightly ahead because I thought he was just a better, more penetrative dribbler. But yeah, I wouldn't really argue either way. Okay. All right, uh, Rob Fletcher's raging about that, which is always good to see on the draft. Um, <laughs> Rob Smythe, then please. I'm trying to look which positions are relatively difficult. Okay, I'm going to go for Alessandro Nesta um, because I think defenders aren't very good in this competition. Defense is rather. Lazio arguably had the best defense of the teams who uh, went a decent way. Now, of course, they lost one game very costly, 5-2 to Valencia, but guess who didn't play in that game? So Nesta played nine games, didn't lose any. They conceded three goals. Five games he missed, they conceded uh, basically a lot. I think it was 10, yeah. So basically, um, this is kind of Nesta's peak, you know, around Euro 2000 when Italy were fantastic as well and probably should have won it. So given the relative poverty of defences. I quite like Stam and Nesta uh, as a centre-back pairing, and I'm just going to be really boring and win game 1-0. Yeah, it's very tidy, that. Very tidy indeed. Um, okay, so all the defenders of any note are, are kind of taken, I think, at this moment. Rob Fletcher, are you going to look at your defence? Because, like you, uh, like me, sorry, uh, we, we're not really bothered by that. <laughs> we're all about the... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to end up with Frank LaBeouf and not really care. Kili <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gonzalez would have been a, a definite pick. Nesta would have been a definite pick as well. So I can't have either of those. So there's one player that I want to pick, but I can't. I'm going to. I was thinking before, so I'm going to try and be sensible and pick players who you can kind of put in the right place. So this player who scored a lot of goals, I can't really pick him because I've got Figo. I don't really think I can put him in there. 
Um, so I'm going to go for another striker. And I'm going to go for... I'm picking two, aren't I? Yeah, I'm, I'm picking two, yeah. Um, so I've got a left winger and I've got a striker. So the striker that I'm going to have is Marcelo Salas from Lazio. Didn't score lots and lots of goals, but generally all-round plays pretty good. I nearly picked another Lazio striker who got a lot of goals, but then realised he scored them all against teams yeah, that they just absolutely good. hammered, so I left them alone. My left-sided player in my diamond is Savio from Real Madrid, who is another one who got goals and got assists in that season and is probably another one who we can put on the list of what happened to him. But certainly in this team, in this system, which is kind of a weird hybrid system, the Real Madrid one, because it was a four when Helguera went forward, but Salgado and Carlos kind of played as wing-backs, but Savio and McManaman were wingers and came in kind of a bit weird, but... He 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 can play in the left of a diamond. I think he'll do for me. Yeah, he's a great. He's a great. Yeah, Champions League season he really did. So Rob Fletcher, like myself, not bothered too much about the back at this minute in time. But his midfield is complete. Keen at the bottom, uh, Luis Figo and Savio on either side, and I think Rivaldo at the the, the, the peak of that diamond with Claudio Lopez and Marcelo Salas. Um, Real France 98 favourites there um, up front as well. So, yeah, absolutely players in the peak of their form. Rob, are you going to score goals? No, I'm going to buy I'm going to buy a player who forced a lot of own goals. Michel Salgado, right back. So he created the own goals both by Keane and Jeremis in the quarter and semi-final, respectively. Um, and for Real Madrid, that is obviously... And I, again, it's an area where I think there weren't amazing number of players you know like i said in a normal season i would happily pick gary neville but this was kind of the worst season of his career so yeah salgado again kind of very good going forward i think he made the first goal in the final as well possibly for morientes so um stam and nesta can just look after all that with redondo and the other person i'm gonna get so yeah i want two good attacking fullbacks and yeah they'll do okay uh Right, that makes sense. Who, sort I, I, of. Yeah, yeah. Rob, I can promise you, it makes more sense than the cricket team I picked this yeah, morning. So. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So it's back to me, isn't it? Um, I do need defenders, right? Okay. Okay, I'll go with Pellegrini. Um, again at Valencia team were solid um just bottled it on that that last night sadly um but yeah uh he played a lot of minutes as well from from memory i'm pretty sure uh, very consistent player constant presence um yes yeah, so i'll go for uh i'll go for pellegrini Mauricio Pelleg uh, sorry pellegrino sorry um always good those names mixed up there's so many of them but yeah I'm going to Pellegrino at the heart of my defence which I will need to build rapidly um, Ali do I get two here Martin just the one you do indeed yeah you're pretty much on twos now for, for the rest of the on twos alright awesome so I yeah, like yourself I'm going to need a couple of guys who stay back and defend uh, which I'm going to use my two midfielders for. And those two midfielders, the first one um, is going to be Patrick Vieira. Didn't have, or certainly the team didn't have a, a great tournament. 
He, I think this is his year of he seemed to get sent off almost every other week, I think, this year in the Premier League. Um, but it was a sort of ageing team, I guess, that you know he was now becoming a leader within. And um, just, just on this quickly, by the way, this is a sort of random thought I had watching this. Looking at how terrible David Seaman was in this tournament, how on earth did he go on and play another, what, four or five years for England? Like, it's, just like, it's like a Peter Shelton Mark II here. It's like, how are we, how's this guy still getting picked? He didn't have anyone else. But, um, um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What, what, what are you Mark looking Martin, at then? Right. Nigel Martin? Nigel Martin, who did come in against Romania and made a mistake. Although right. Seaman, yeah, that was, was it one of the Spanish papers he said? After the when Portugal beat England three two, that Seaman was a piece of meat with eyes. Which, <laughs> which, which but what's really funny about that is Seaman doesn't do much wrong. Like they're all three really good finishes, all the deflection with Figo. He doesn't do much wrong, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't expect to hear Patrick Vieira's name today, but here we are. Um, who else then? Ali? Yes, and and equally the another maniac to play next to midfield is Diego Simeone, who, to be honest, yeah, I, th- I think is underrated as a footballer. Uh, again, yeah. we, we take him on what he is as a manager now, and the sort of caricature of him screaming up down a sideline and every um, every way, which you know, to find ways to win. But I think as a footballer, he was terrific. I think he probably did a lot of his best work, sort of early thousands. Uh, Serie A when maybe it wasn't on the TV as much, right? As it was what it was obviously in the 90s. So maybe we didn't see the best of in the UK. But I am, um, yeah, having those two at the base of midfield, I, th- I think it's going to be important for me. Okay. So your team at the moment has Oliver Kahn and goes two of your back three. Seeing some Mihailovic in front of the board, ball playing defenders, I think it's fair to say. Um, in that five in midfield, or I guess the three in midfield will come to your wing backs at some point. As Patrick Vieira and Diego Simeone with Rui Costa at the top uh, and Patrick Clivert leading the line at the minute. Um, okay. Rob said Roberto Carlos was the best left back of the tournament, probably. Um, but Vicente Lizarazu would not have been far behind, uh, in my opinion. Saw him live in the flesh twice. Um, and that, as I said, that Bayern team. Don't know. They had something about them, of course, that just kept kind of getting through rounds, and kept, you know, they obviously would win the big one um, twelve months later. Um, but he's a superb player, so I will um, bring him into my team. Um, Lisa Razu, Rob Smythe. Yeah. Um, okay. Up front, um, I will have. Gabriel Batistuta, please. Um, it's partly an English thing because we remember him for two monstrous goals against Arsenal at Wembley and also Man United at Old Trafford. But yeah, I just thought his aura was particularly strong around this time. I've already spoke about Rui Costa. Um, the fact Fiorentina got as close to the, they got to the second group stage and went a million miles from the semis. Down to him more than anyone. So, I mean, the goal at Arsenal, the goal at where it's the last, I think, the last great goal at the old Wembley. I absolutely love that goal so much. But that's something I wouldn't blame Seaman for. Just that's a pass to shoot a goal, isn't yeah. it? I mean, he, that, that, that's, what, that's what strikes me. And we we just debate on the France 98. So you've, you've turned heel on quite a couple of the players. No, but it's all about form at the time. Like you see, Batistut in France yeah. 98, I'm not having that. Yeah. I don't, I, like he's, but we talked about his career as, a, a career as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he scores goals like that in my head all the time. Yes, you course, think there's a pass on. 
or he's going to move it forward a wee bit and be, after you know you not even get a chance to finish that thought before the ball has thundered into the back you just shoot on sight but when you've got a, a foot like that that's probably not the the the, the worst option uh okay yeah but also, yeah. <laughs> also he could be a quite a composed finish as well so they, when they beat mm-hmm. Man United at home Keane gives him a weird back pass and he just like bends it high into I can't even remember who the keeper was because there were three different ones but yeah just a brilliant video and it's partly an English thing because of the kind of symbolism of the two goals but he was flying around that time I thought Keane's involved in quite a few yeah but this this is why it's a weird season because he's, he's had such a but he is almost perfect that season and he scores five or six. This is what it, it's a, it's a quite a tragic story in some ways, given you know how important it was to him to mm. try and win it after having the previous year. But anyway. Yeah, so at the moment then uh your defence is complete, I think. Michel Salgado, Stam, Nesta, Roberto Carlos. Um you have Redondo as part of your holding two in midfield, gigs on the left of yeah. your three, and presumably Batistuta is your lone striker. Uh, Rob Fletcher, what are you going to do next? You've got two here. So I'm making a tactical decision here, and I'm picking two defenders who can't run to make sure we've actually got (laughs) some players back while we're actually on the attack. Um, They're both from Real Madrid. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to uh, take a drink for Aitor Karanka and not pick him, I'm afraid, Aitor. Although I I love him so, I will not be selecting him in this game. Um, I'm going to pick the other two Real Madrid central defenders from that team, Ivan Alguera and Fernando Hierro. Hierro can just whack penalties in whenever he wants to. I'm quite happy with that. And Helguera is that kind of player that I, I really loved at the time because he didn't really fit what we were seeing in the Premier League because he could play and he could pass. And all of a sudden he appeared in midfield and then he would be the last man and then he'd be centre-back and he could get forward a little bit. So I actually think he was a really different kind of player that we'd seen before in this sort of era. But he was a fantastic player. I imagine him to be someone like um, like a John Stones type player in the modern era where who could step up into midfield from a central defensive position. Hierro as well. I mean, didn't he score 21 goals in one season in the early 90s? I'm sure he was Real's top scorer from midfield. Yeah. He was Penalty just kill. kind of that big all-rounder that eventually ended up with Bolton, didn't he, in the Premier League and, and kind of extended his career a little bit. So, yeah, let's go for those two. So now I definitely know I've at least got two players back and a goalkeeper eventually. So, um, yeah, yeah, tactical decision that one. How many of these players do you think will have ended up at Bolton? It's, it's, it's starting to, <laughs> start to mount up. Um, Hero missed the final, I think, kind of tragically, um, after being such, again, along with Ra- uh, Raul, uh, such a, a kind of talisman of that Real Madrid side. All right, back we go. Rob Smythe, you still need a goalkeeper, another holding midfielder, and two of your midfield trident behind Batista. I'll have a goalkeeper. I was going to pick Casillas because of the kind of it's such a charming story. An eighteen-year-old who came kind of from nowhere. Then I kind of looked into it a bit more and. You know, he, had to, he was badly at fought for one goal when they lost to Bayern. He did concede a lot, albeit he was brilliant old draft. But anyway, I'm going to go for Francesco Toldo, Fiorentina, who was Italy's number one at the time. Um, and I read somewhere that he made more saves than anyone else in the competition, which is pretty good going because they went out in the second group stage. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was subsequently went on to have a really good Euro 2000 as well. Just a very solid, safe goalkeeper. And I don't care about 
using their feet because it's 1999, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, was a good goalkeeper, just that that memory of weak wrists at Euro 2000 uh, later on that, that summer, I guess, is, is kind of... Which one's that? Uh, Oh, the will talk. The, yeah, the will talk goal. Yeah, he was, he was kind of uh, at fault. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Certainly, he was blamed for it anyway, uh, because Buffon was injured just before that tournament. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, possibly. Um, That's a good um, Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, he's a great, great goalkeeper. Um, I, I won't hear a word of your auntie Casillas bias um, because I am going to pick him. <laughs> no, he was go. really good. No, just one last I can told her. I've just remembered he makes a, a, an absurd save from Canu in injury time in what was a kind of decisive game at Wembley. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he's in for that alone. Now, Casillas was kind of the story of the competition, definitely, as keepers yeah. go. Although I still think Carmen was the best, but anyway. Yeah, probably was. But um, I'm happy with Casillas. I'll take him. So I've got Casillas, Pellegrino and Lizarazu kind of um, shoring me up at the moment. Uh, I still need the right side of my diamond if I'm going to just Play Mendia to that wee bit deeper, pulling strings, Gilly Gonzalez and Raul, Jardel and Anelka. Alistair, you have two goes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my outsides here and in the sort of vein of my team so far, I'm not gonna bother with playing actual wing backs. These are gonna be wingers who again go forward on, on each side. So the, my first one on the left is gonna be Pavel Nedved, who I don't not really sure this. Obviously, it's a big part of this Lazio team. This Lazio team went on to challenge pretty heavily for the league this year. I think they won it the following year, um, but a big part of it. Interestingly, going back to to watching him play you know, for the site, looking at Euro 96 and just a different footballer then, his sort of evolution as a player was a lot better defender than I remembered him being. Certainly in the sort of latter days of Juventus, played probably more as a a wide player in a 4-3-3. At this time, he's playing as an outside guy in a 4-4-2 for Lazio. So I, I think he definitely could fulfil that outside role, albeit he's right-footed, playing on the left-hand side. Um, and then on the right-hand side, um, again, we'll see what you boys think of this one. I want to go with Beckham, because again, it's the right-footed, it's the winger, it's it's the set pieces, it's it's the everything. But again, it's it's... it's you know, last couple of years, obviously, did big documentaries came out recently watching a lot of these games back, even the clips. Um, can just I don't think just gets the love as, as a footballer, mm-hmm. certainly his work ethic, certainly his defensive ability. You know, I watched the game not long ago, it was they played, um, it was the 99 season where they won and, and they played um Barcelona at Old Trafford. And I think he covered every blade of grass that night. And I know that's the sort of cliche old school saying, but genuinely did defended, got followed, crossed, you know, shot the whole deal. So I think he he for sure has to be in a, a team of this season just based on his his performances. How was he that season, Rob? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, around that time, I don't think we'd ever seen a better cross for the ball. I'm not sure we have still. I mean, I do think Carlos wiped the floor with him in the quarters, but even then, Beckham scores that brilliant solo goal, albeit it's more defiant because they're three-one down. But yeah, I mean, the, the, there are moments like. The Valencia game, I think he makes two. Bordeaux, he makes one with a typical cross. Um, and yeah, like Ali said, his work rate was, was yeah, just beyond reproach, really. And it all, and the other thing is, because Neville was so poor, it probably put a bit more pressure on him that season as well. Um, yeah, no, I mean, if, around that time, trouble year was his best year, but around that time, particularly till he became England captain, 
he sort of priorities changed a bit. He was just, yeah, fantastic. I think he's still underrated historically. I would agree with that. Compared yeah. to the other three midfielders, anyway. When I press record, I didn't expect to see David Beckham and Pavel Nedved as uh, wing backs, but this is the joy <laughs> of the draft. This is where we are. Um, um, I'll go with someone who c- could play in midfield, but he was used by Bayern quite a wee bit at, at, at right back, um, uh, especially in the, the, the latter stages of the game. That's um, Hassan Salihamidzic. Um, good player, tidy. Uh, and again, with Lizarazu, an understanding on uh, on either flank. So, yeah, that's where we're going there. Uh, so I've got Casillas, Salahamidic, Pellegrino and Lizarazu. I still need another centre back and the right-hand side of my triangle. It's uh, my, my diamond. That's all I need. Uh, Rob Smythe, you are in need of um, some midfielders, I guess. One holding and two attacking i'm not going to enjoy this because i didn't like him in fact i hated him and he took the greatest pleasure in putting united out but he was extremely good at steve McManaman. uh playing as a central midfielder alongside redondo he scored that volley in the final obviously but he was just yeah really good central midfielder so he played pretty much in number eight with he actually i thought he played better in the home leg when they battered united nil nil but um yeah, he just became a key part. It was really weird because around that time, England ended up playing him left wing at Euro 2000. England never, mm-hmm. and as far as I re- can recall, England didn't play him central midfield at all. Um, and yet he was playing that role for the Champions of Europe. Um, yes, he, I just, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid fans loved him as far as I'm aware. Well, they absolutely and, did. And he played his part as little things like the, the kind of, for all the talk of the Redondo moment, the, the game that the goal that breaks that game open is when Raul puts him 2 0 up, and that comes from a <clears throat> brilliant McManaman pass um, to Raul, who then, yes, yeah, scores brilliantly. So, yeah, um, my my um, heart said Effenberg or Guardiola, but my head said McManaman. Yeah, no, he did a great old time. He did a great old time, and such a big, a big drama when he left. Liverpool in the summer before for £116,000 a week or whatever it was. First yes. kind of big big English player to leave in a, a Bosman and yeah, my goodness, so. like, what has become of the game? Whether I'll be... The other thing is how exciting well, not for me, but how exciting was generally to an English player scoring a Champions League final. I mean, in those days mm. it was an extremely rare event, obviously sharing had the year earlier, but um, yeah, and it was a brilliant goal as well. So yeah. Okay, good stuff. Rob Fletcher, you're the goalkeeper. A um, couple of fullbacks, I think, and you'll be you'll be done. Where are we going? So I'm picking a couple of fullbacks. I'm sticking with Valencia, and I'm having both of them. So I'm having Jocelyn Anglamar and Amadeo Carboni, who were old, experienced, <laughs> tenacious, aggressive, and generally really, really effective. So I think if you're playing with Figo and Savio as your right and left midfielders, those two wily characters I think would fit in quite well, especially next to Hierro and Elguera. So I think that's maybe not the most dynamic back four in the world, but certainly pretty solid. Yeah, well, solid is solid is the word for sure. Um, good stuff, Rob. You still so it's your. 
you're attacking three, or you're 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 three behind Batistuta that you're 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 left looking at. You have gigs on the left, so you need a central player and someone on the right. Not sure about the central player, but for now, I will pick right wing Paolo Sergio Bayern. So he, I, th- I think as far as I'm aware, he played a bit centre forward, a bit right. He scored seven goals, which is really good going because he played wide. The, the top scorers in the tournament were 10, I think, Rivaldo, Jardel and someone else. He scores one fantastic, as you said, they struggled through the group. Um, and he scores a late winner against PSV with a scorpion kick. It's And it's... I think scorpion kicks generally you think they're quite lucky, you know, a deep cross and someone throws themselves in there's an outlet. But this is a ball that's bouncing around, so it's kind of improvised, but it's also controlled. Um, so just a fantastic goal. I'd recommend anyone to look at it. But yeah, seven goals. I think he scored in fact, he definitely scored when they won at Madrid 4-2. Um, and he was he's one of those players who I only kind of appreciate after the event, actually. The more you kind of go back to that era, you think of important goals or timely goals. He got a hell of a lot of them. I, to be honest, I couldn't tell you much about him. I don't even know if he played for Brazil much. But um, but his record around that time was really good. For a Bayern team who, I, I would argue, across a kind of broader period of three, four years, were the best team in Europe, even though they only won it once. They were the team who consistently got to the semis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you know, Figo would have been the first choice. But um, but I think he's a pretty decent fallback. Paolo Sergio was excellent that season. He was absolutely mm. brilliant. He's the classic... Uh, championship manager AM slash FRC. <laughs> Pick him up front, wide right, get him as a winger, do what you like with him. But he, he had a pretty good career before Bayern as well. It's did quite he? interesting. Where did he, he, he play for Bayern? Uh, Roma and Leverkusen. Had he? I didn't know. Yeah, that at and all. he scored hmm. goals there. I mean, it's quite interesting. A lot of these players are either incredibly young or on the other side of their career. So you've got like like Beckham, Raul, Anelka. Um, there's another player that hasn't been picked yet. I'm not sure if he will get picked, but we might talk about him later on. Um, like even you got people like your Anglomars and that who were who were getting on a little bit. So it's quite interesting. Again, that period of, of change in Europe, I think. You're right. He's 30 going into this season. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Surprise mm-hmm. me. It was the best season of his career, actually. 20, yeah. 22 in all competitions. Okay, I'm going to move things about a wee bit and move me into that right hand side of the diamond, which Valencia dead in the final um and i'll thank rob for reminding me of guardiola's influence that that, that season for, for barcelona I'll, I'll pop pip um at the base of uh i diamond then so guardiola mendieta Kili gonzalez and raul um yeah very spanish uh which means I have a centre-back. That's all I'm waiting on. Alistair, you still need the third part of your back three and someone to partner Clive, yeah? Yes. Um, so my defender I'm going to go for, a little bit left field, but it sort of fits into how the team did. Uh, this is a Dynamo Kiev post-Shevchenko, and... You've got to remember, when we think about this tournament and think about the football calendar, this is a team basically playing games and that's the only games they're playing, right, for a good, you know, four or five months of this season. Um, the defender, this is his, his, I think his second season, would go on to play for AC Milan the next year's Kakbar Kaladze, uh, left-footed centre-back, play a little bit midfield, uh, Georgia International. Um, this is a Dynamo Kiev team who managed to get through the first round up with only two wins, right? Which again mm. is hilarious. But the next round, they actually lost it to Real Madrid 
on the head-to-heads, they'd a better goal difference. There was the fact that Madrid had beat them in Kiev in the first game in, in November. Um, and that's a good side. Obviously, as, as you'd imagine, this is very in keeping with a sort of Kiev team that's the, you know, greater than some of its parts. I think Red Rob's probably the only massive name in there that we would sort of identify with. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think a tip of the hat to Kiev having a good run. And then obviously Kaladze being one of the one of the defenders in that. Yeah, the L's are a football manager. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's absolutely for sure um, I love that there's I love that there's going to be so many left-footed passes yeah. out wide <laughs> the, team as well. the most left-footed three centre-backs anyone's yeah. ever seen <laughs> absolutely incredible and to who's going to finish your team then Ellie? who's who's going to who's going to play up front with Clive so again based on my um, controversial Vieira pick I'm trying to pick someone who actually had a good tournament and I think this is a tough one because, you know, Shevchenko would be the tap in here because, you know, obviously a really, really talented footballer. But AC Milan, if we just spend a second here, how awful mm. a competition they had. And this is a, a Zaccaroni, really good manager, really good side, can obviously come off the back of winning the championship, I think the year before. And, or certainly we're going to win it this year and just completely fall apart. I mean, this is just, you know, this just wouldn't happen nowadays, obviously, a team of, team of their standings. Um, so my last striker, um, I guess, you know, just based on his, his form, his goals, is, would be Van Nistelrooy. I'll, I'll go with the Dutch, Dutch duo up front. Shout out to Van Nistelrooy's incredible predator boots in the season. Yes. And his I mean, skinny, up front his amazing, skinny legs. Right. Such a good player. Yeah. Um, okay. Didn't he? Again, not a name I expected to to see, but that completes your team. I love the way that obviously listeners can't see this, but you you you're looking to your um your your right hand side there. I imagine because you are a football coach that there's just this big whiteboard on your wall. Yes. Um, with all these <laughs> and all these um, kind of draft or magnetic drafts just being being moved around. But your team has all of our canning goals. The the, the most ball playing left footed um, back three of all time with Mihailovic, Frank de Boer, Kaladzi. Um, a midfield five of Beckham, Vieira, Simeone, Rui Costa, and Nedved, and the Dutch forward line of Ruud van Nistelrooy and Patrick Kluivert. Um, as Rob says, put them together, put their careers together. That, that's that, that's legendary. Um, but of course, we are judging it over the Champions League performances in 1999-2000. Um, okay, I need to f- complete my team. Uh, it's been well documented that the, the centre-back options are not particularly glamorous. I've no interest in glamour at the back. I've got plenty of glamour ahead of it. Um, I did quite like that Porto side. I, did, I said I did think they were unlucky. Uh, I'm going to go for Jorge Costa, who was just tough. Tough centre-back, uncompromising, um, great athlete. So I'll go for Jorge Costa to complete my team, which is Iker Casillas, Salahamidic, Pellegrino, Jos Costa and Lisa Razou. Uh, a midfield diamond of Guardiola, Mendieti, Kili, Gonzalez and Raul with Jardel and Nicholas and Nelka up front. Rob, who completes your team just behind Batistuta next to Paul Sergio and Ryan Giggs? Pretty good question. Um, how strict are we being on 4-2-3-1 versus 4-4-2? Uh, well, that's what you picked. No, no, no. You um, Tricky. Um, 
I'm tempted. No, I get it. I wanted to pick one person who went out in the first group stage, and I'm going to go for Canu of Arsenal. Um, and I think, I mean, there are better number tens, obviously, but um, I think the reason Arsenal went out wasn't their attack; it was their defence. Um, particularly the game when they got taken apart by Barcelona. Uh, I think he, I think he made four and scored one or something like that in the group stage. Scored the equaliser in the new Camp, and he was really good around this time. This is when he scored that famous hat trick at Chelsea, uh, when he, you know, when he scored from the touchline when they were two 0 down, or from the uh, byline rather. Um, whatever. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to pick him. I think they had a weird thing at this time because Henri was still finding his feet, so they were playing a front two of Cano and Bergkamp, which seems really kind of counterintuitive, mm. but it actually worked quite well at times. There's a Bergkamp scores a fantastic goal made by Canu in that Barcelona game. Um, so, yeah, I will have Canu, I think, but I might consider a wild card. But, yeah, I mean, four assists and one goal in a group of death is pretty good going. Oh, it absolutely is. And there's a bit of, yeah, wild cards, maybe the what, there's something of the maverick and the, the unpredictable about that that we all and need he was, team. He was, he was so good for us. I mean, he was good all the time, but for his first kind of year or so at Arsenal, which is the back end of the previous season, the first half of this one, he was just fantastic. Um, they never quite kind of never quite reached the same height, certainly not with them. But um, yeah, I'll be happy enough with him. That's a good mix of kind of pace and movement mm. and passing, I think. Hmm. Yeah. So. Toldo, Salgado, Stam, Nesta, Roberto Carlos, Redondo, McManaman uh, as a kind of holding two, Paulo Sergio Canu, Giggs behind Gabriel Batistuta. At the moment, I have a feeling that you might chop and change um, when we do our, our wildcard round. Rob Fletcher, you're the last to go. You need a goalkeeper. I'm sorry to leave this most exciting pick to the end of the draft, so <laughs> thank you for uh, be- bearing with me on this one. Um, five clean sheets in ten games. Stood behind a pretty strong defence, Luca Marcajani, who was a great goalkeeper amongst a plethora of fantastic Italian goalkeepers. I'm sure many people of a certain age who watch Gazetta Football Italia could name you multiple goalkeepers who could have played for Italy around this time. Marcajani, probably one that didn't actually feature that much, if at all. But he was great for Lazio, really good goalkeeper, really solid. Um, he didn't play all the games. Subkeeper came in, and I think you could see the difference because I mm. think he let in nine goals, maybe or eight goals. Belotta, <laughs> I think it was. So he let quite a lot in. Marco Gianni wasn't there, so quite happy with that. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, very under underrated, not spoken about, but for the reasons you've mentioned, uh, loads of Italian goalkeepers at that, 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 that particular time. Uh, that does it then for you at the moment. Marcigiani, Carboni, Helguera, Hierro, Anglama, um, Keen, Figo, Savio, Rivaldo, and Claudio Lopez and Marcello Salas up front. We'll do a wild card, which means you can swap one player with anyone that has not yet been picked. Um, you can shout out in a minute um, some of the players that, that, that you think have maybe been looked over. Vitor Baia would be another goalkeeping choice I think that would be uh, certainly in the, the, the equation um, Dan Petrescu would have been maybe a right back but there's, there's again not a lot of great things going on there um, no one went for uh, uh, Ivan Campo um, Marcus Babo 
Linka, who scored that very important goal for for Bayern uh, against Porto that, that that moved them through. Um, Jen Jeremy's, I never, I could never take to to, to Jeremy's at all. He just, he just seemed to annoy me for for whatever what reason. Was, what was Ron Atkins calling him? Ratter. He used to always call him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Real um, he was the most horrible. Horrible, yeah. effective player. Yeah, in football around that time, that, oh. that Bayern that Bayern team wasn't that likable, was it? No, Effenberg, never. Jeremy's oh. card. Yeah, Effenberg's hasn't been picked. Yeah. Uh, Koku and Luis Enrique uh, from from yeah. Barcelona. They're obviously quite. Um, we told them in number tens, and maybe because we've talked about Valencia players down the back today, yeah. or. I'm going to say Gerard, but it's not Gerard, doesn't it? It would be Gerard. Um, four goals, I think, from that, that kind of number mm-hmm. 10. It just Again, he's surrounded by brilliant players. Like, does that just overshadow that that number 10? And what am I missing with poor Morientes? Hasn't been spoken about once over the course of the last hour or so. Um, superb for the winners. Um, scored in the final. Um Really? There's a bit of the there's a bit of the Alvaro Maratas about Morientes, I think, yeah. in the sense of like he has that kind of reputation. I think played in a good side. Just on number tens, there's an 18 year old Thomas Rosicky who mm-hmm. actually was Pretty excellent well, yeah. and burst onto the scene in this tournament. There is another Deco Barcelona, well. yeah. There's another Barcelona player that hasn't been picked who could probably play in a number ten who also played on the right and the left. If anyone can, is that Enrique? Luis Enrique, yeah. yeah. He just didn't play much. He must have been injured, but I think he scored like six and seven or something. Yeah, he did, yeah. But um, the one I thought someone picked Samuel Kafour, I thought he was fantastic. He was was my third choice centre-back, actually, ahead of... Yeah, but anyway. Um, So who's first in the wild card? Uh, Rob Fletcher would be first in the wild card. Um, uh, yeah, maybe the other ones. Yeah, you mentioned oh, Simeone uh, and, and Zaggy for for good reason. He filled these boots early. Um, Do you know who's worth Red mentioning? Roth, young... maybe, maybe worth... Yeah, I thought about him. Do you know who's Rocky worth mentioning? John Carew at mm, Rosenborg. Rosenborg. He did really yeah. well. He was, and so with, he's only twenty at this point. Within a year, he's playing in the final for Valencia. He's denied a hat trick against someone. I forget who it is by a really yeah. pedantic decision. Um, going to break he, through with a good breakthrough season, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. certainly in Europe, yeah, yeah. he was a good player, actually. Better yeah, technically than I remembered, yeah. Um, and quite smart but again. Well. Did he go on to, to really deliver no, on the expectation? But it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big season for that. How many how many players have we talked about over the there were loads that, there was, that were just so, was. so impressive and had such a, a, a hype around them, but just didn't quite want to, to do Tori Andre flowed very well. Yeah, another mm-hmm. unlikable, another unlikable player. Dennis Wise had a good season. Yeah. Quite he did for Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea um, looked like they'd done not quite done the biz, but had at least forced Barcelona into extra time. You know what I mean? It's um, yeah. That, that, that night, the, the, mm. Anyway, look, look at this, right. Rob. Look, look at this, Rob. That that must be the reason then that Dennis Wise made the England squad for Euro two thousand. Then because doesn't I, I, I honestly up. couldn't believe when I saw that squad again after years of not seeing it that he made it. I'm like, okay, I sure I, I I really loathed him. I think he's a horrible <laughs> individual. But I actually thought around the time I genuinely thought he was a pretty good player, and I right. wasn't surprised. I now whether I was right or wrong, I don't know. But I remember thinking at the time that he should actually start for England at Euro two thousand. Partly because Keegan was playing four one five, so anyone would have done. But um, <laughs> I actually thought around that time he wasn't bad. Like it's just, I mean, he was horrible. He, you know, he'd get people sent off. That's the season he pinched Nicky Butt in a private place and upset off. But 
I thought he was pretty good around. Chelsea are a weird team, actually, because they played mm-hmm. almost quite four... Finals, four yeah, but also almost four full-backs. So often Petrescu and Ferrer and Babayaro and I forget who it was. Or it would be like a, a central midfielder tucked out to the left, someone like Jody Morris. It was a really kind of odd team, but it worked because Florenzola mm-hmm. was so good and the defence was tight enough. Um, yeah, well, like you said, it almost got to the semis. Like, really, I think Barcelona scored with about five minutes to go to take it to extra time. Right, um, yeah. Over there. Yeah, but three they took a three one lead, didn't they? So it was yeah. and they won and they won this you forget they won things, they'd won the cup winners' yeah, cup, yeah, exactly. they won the FA Cup again. Viali was a manager who he actually he did really well. I mean, they had Gustavo Poyet there, Deschamps, yeah. Desai, that real experience at the time when the Premier League was still prioritizing in like those more experienced European yeah. players over the young stars that maybe would have appeared in Spain or Italy. Yeah, they had, they had a good solid squad, and I think that they had that bit of know how and yeah, a bit exactly. of professional nous, didn't they? Yeah. And they were horrible, they were, they were very streetwise. Okay, Rob Fletcher, is there anybody in that little discussion of those who have missed the cut that you think is worthy of a wee swap? I was tempted by a couple. I had Michael Reisiger on my list at right back, he didn't play lots, but he was quick. Carew and Flo were another one to maybe replace Salas, but how I would ever live down replacing Marcello Salas with John Carew or Torrenry Flo. <laughs> so, no, thank you. I'm actually quite happy with that team. I think it, mm. it kind of fit, it kind of fits that sort of diamond system maybe into like a 4-1-5 when the going gets tough. No, I think you've, um, you've done it again. A uh, very impressive... Uh, 11. We'll talk about it in a moment. Rob, you like I, a tinker. I can't. I, I can't. I can't have McManaman. I'm going to replace him. I'm going to replace <laughs> I'm going to replace him with Effenberg, um, who was just a, a, another horrible human being, but such a good player. So influential around this time. It's probably no coincidence. They played four games against Madrid. One, three, lost one. Guess which one he missed. Mm, yeah. um, he just, he just like, there's that kind of old Don quality, just looked like a level above everyone. Like when they won 4-2 at Real Madrid, he catches Casillas at the near post with a free kick from out wide. And it's not even, you know, some players do that and it would almost be a joy to it, you know, like a mischief. With him, it's almost, I don't know, it's just a kind of dull superiority. He was a, a brilliant passer, particularly kind of medium range. These really kind of penetrative passes between the lines, as we say now. Scored a few goals as well, including that free kick. Um, and he was just a winner as well. Totally unlikable, probably more so than McManaman, objectively, but subjectively, I think I'll take him. The other one, I was really tempted by Morientes, actually, because I think he's an excellent and slightly underrated player. And I think he could link probably better than we remember, but I couldn't quite justify him as a proper number 10. Um, so I'll stick with Canu. Okay. Um, yeah, Sammy Kafur. That that you you you've set something off in me there. Wrong. He's really good. Uh, he is a fantastic. Yeah, I, I thought he was a fantastic player, and he's another one. And I'd love to know why he missed the game when they lost two 0 at the Bernabeu, but he was on the bench. Yeah. Like Effenberg wasn't, so he must have been suspended or injured. Unless Kafur was just half fit or something. Mm. Um, I thought. He was well, I've I've, so I've swapped. I've swapped Georgi Costa with Sami Kafur. So. Uh, yes, Casillas, Salihamidzic, Pellegrino, Kafur, Lazarazu, 
Guardiola Mendieta, Kili Gonzalez, Raul Jardel, and Anelka. And I will stick by Anelka because he's, as I said, big man, big moment. Uh, even though I could have filled some stats up with Morientes and uh, and Zaghi, even Rebrov, I think. Who, again, maybe slightly out of the conversation. Um, yeah. I'll see you the final, final word. Is there anyone you want to change? Maybe, if you have been wild thought, but a, a defender with a, a, a right foot, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, such such as the uh, such as the earth. No, I, um, there's I mean, there's lots of good players. I mean, obviously, you know, there's another left footer there in Maldini we, we could have probably put in, but again, based on how how poor Milan were, I'm not sure that's wise. Um, the other one that just sort of came up, and and I wasn't sure how to fit him in a three five two was, was Robert Perez. He did, he did a decent tournament for Marseille. Marseille are, are the the classic vibes team. This literally was built from champ manager. This is a Ravinelli, <laughs> Ibrahim Abakayoko front line. If you uh, and Sedu Keita randomly, who obviously ended up in the Barcelona team a couple of years later, William Gallas et al. Um, the, I am going to make one change, and, and believe it or not, this is actually going to, be to make the team more attacking. Um, <laughs> Patrick Vieira. Now that I'm looking at the stats here, does not cut as a player of this tournament. So he, that's very much a we're going to have to get rid of him here. Clown Seedorf is going to be my replacement for him. Midfield, uh, who I know at the time was probably playing off the side edge of a diamond type player, but like I say, just a terrific footballer in that Dutch team at the time, and again, someone who could easily slot into playing football today, probably even at the age that he's at. Hmm. Okay, can Mihailovic de Boer, Kaladze, Beckham, Sido, Simeone, Rui Costa, Neved, from Lisa Roy, and Clive. Um, are we all happy? I think we should be. Those are all. They have the pros and cons, but uh, we don't have an absolute stinker there, I don't think. Rob, you usually you're good at tearing people's dreams up. And, <laughs> and... <laughs> what 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 do you think? As you cast your eye over over these these four teams, which one? Rob Smythe. Me? Rob, oh, yeah, me. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Um... Rob Fletcher has been nothing but nice Different on these shows. I mean, he did call me Aussie Aldiles, <laughs> but um, yeah. Different strengths and weaknesses. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really eye-catching attacks, aren't there, as you'd expect given this tournament. Um, so, plus sides. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Alice. You've got the best defence, don't you? Yeah, but you pay a price for that, don't you? Like, number 10 is weak and right wing is weak, um, relatively. So, Figo would have been perfect for that position. Or Mendieta, I know he's sort of half and half, but um yeah. Um just trying to look. I suppose I mean I really like your midfield. The only thing is thinking about like uh, being really boring. Like who's gonna cross for Jardel? I'd be wondering about that. Um yeah. I don't know, I mean, you could pick the strengths of Sally Hamidich. Um yeah, but they were kind of yeah. Um just looking at Rob Fletcher's yeah, Rob Fletcher's midfield I like a lot actually. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. But, but Got Roy Keane, Ballon d'Or winner, Rivaldo, come on. <laughs> yeah, but Keen Keen V Redondo, Kryptonite. Um can't believe I'm talking Dan Keane, it's disgraceful. Yeah, <laughs> Ali's midfield is fantastic. <laughs> front two Van Nistro and Clivert's interesting. I, I loved Clive around this time. Didn't know anything about Van Nistro, really. Uh mm. 
they're all pretty good. And then see, it's so easy to forget though. You kind of cross her up and you see Oliver Kahn and you realize actually that's a big thing. Like I, I thought he was well ahead of anyone else around that Mine's time. Still, yeah. Um, no, I like them all. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lots. Of I think your defense. Problems. Yeah. I think yes, yeah, I mean Stam and Nesta. I was that was kind of my. I just thought because defenses weren't very good, I kind of wanted to get to like. And I and do one I feel like that will bomb, and another feel like well, that will be as well. Pretty, yeah, so God was pretty good, particularly around that time. Like he makes goals in all three knockout rounds. So, um, but yeah, Stam and I mean, it just, yeah, Stam and Nesta is perfect. Stam I can't. I can't wait to see Roberto Carlos, Yap Stam, Stefan Effenberg, <laughs> yeah. all shouting at Kanu. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob Fletcher, you're the, the defense is um, well. That, that's the, maybe the price you've you paid, as Rob says. We we we, we sometimes we, you and I have left that that way. Let's put it that way. Um, Prioritised professionalism. <laughs> yes. Okay. Your midfield, your midfield is wonderfully beautiful and keen. Um, I wonder if Lopez and Salas if there's a bit of the hipster around that I don't I mean I, I love them both but Lopez, the way, the way that I I'll stand by an Elka but I've got a machine beside an Elka and that's absolutely fine I just I wonder if there's enough there it's quite a lot of left feet in that team not that that's a problem yeah. but um I've um, got Rivaldo scoring goals yeah he scored 10 he's I've got Rivaldo well. he scored, he scored just, the same amount as Yardell so isn't it interesting, right? If you look back on this season, you would think a bad season for Barcelona. Didn't win the league. <laughs> spanked in the semi-final. Yeah, but for most of the tournament, they looked unstoppable. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't know if this is still the case, but certainly for a long time, no team had ever scored more in a Champions League season than Barcelona that year, 45, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting because it's just one game, it all falls apart and against Valencia. And then that's it. Van Gaal's gone before you know it. It's interesting. But they were... Yeah, that was the other thing. I, I did want to get one of their attackers because they were... Across the whole competition, they were the best attack, definitely, albeit not so much in the semis when I think it was an own goal and two others. But yeah, Figo and Rivaldo. Rivaldo around that time, I don't think I've ever been more scared watching an opposing footballer, including Messi in that, partly because yeah. it kind of mattered more then. But yeah, absolutely loved him. This was a year I remember the documentary was out maybe two years ago now, the Van Hal um, sort of oh, long yeah. mini series. And he, he spoke about how basically Rivaldo broke him this year. <laughs> Tried to what fight he, against it and then just gave in in the end. It was like, yep, you do what you want, big guy. All the best. Because yeah. he wanted the classic 4-3-3, didn't he? Rivaldo right. left. And Rivaldo wasn't interested in that. He was so not having a constant <laughs> battle of wills. Ali, Chelsea, and... beat, Chelsea beat that side as well, 3-1. Chelsea beat mm. Barcelona in the first leg. So right. they, were, they were abs yeah. absolutely open, yeah. Oh, but yeah. at the back, um, apart from De Bruyne, was obviously a really good player. At the back, Barcelona were a shambles that season. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the time. But it kind of didn't matter most of the time. Ali, knowing the Great British public as I do, um, they, they like flashy name uh, eye-catching sides, and you have a flashy eye-catching <laughs> side. For sure. now, whether it works together, whether it has the right balance or not, um, but yes. I know how these polls work after doing, doing a few of these. This could be quite a startling debut. Um, and all from the master tactician that, that, that does this. <laughs> <thing>. Um <laughs> Are you are you it was just happy? too many, any... just too many good I know, players. Are, are you happy with that? Are you to whom would you cast an envious glance if you had to? Um uh, so Rob Fletcher's midfield for sure. 
Well, it's my midfield, your midfield. So basically, my midfield is a shambles, other than just him good footballers in it. <laughs> but how it, how it works and functions with um, Diego Simeone basically losing the will to live as Rui Costa and Cedar bomb <laughs> forward the back of a Nedved don't track runners. That that alone for me would be uh, would be good to see. But um, but yeah, no, it's like I say, it's very very attack minded. Well, the punters love that. Listen, Jim, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Um, you will get your chance to vote, listeners, as always. Keep your eye out for that. Um, but the real quiz is, of course, the conversation, and it's been a thoroughly enjoyable one for a season that maybe just doesn't get talked about as much as it should, because it did change European football, I think, a little. Um, but, yeah, thanks for that, guys. It was a lot of fun. Ali, thank you so much. Um, you've done a lot of writing on this period. Where can we find it? Appreciate it, mate. Yes, it's uh, retrofootballanalysis.com. Um, I'm actually, after having a, a year's hiatus, currently working on finalising the uh, a little review of Man United's 99 season and uh, and Arsenal's um, ill-fated uh, Champions League run from, from this year as well. So a couple more little topics to look at. Can I strongly recommend Ali's Euro 96 series of podcasts? Yeah. It's so good. Which I listened to before. I stumbled upon when we were doing the draft for this, but it was so much fun. And there are loads of articles as well, but yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. I recommend that. No, they're really, really good. Rob Fletcher, you're writing one book about 94, 95. That won't be for another year or so. Where can we find your other one? What's it called? 1992, The Birth of Modern Football. So that is obviously available in the usual good and terrible bookshops. I am now at 94.95 underscore book, though, on Twitter. So trying to sort of put out some updates about probably one of the craziest seasons mm. in Premier League history. Again, one that has gone under the radar, I think, a little, and that will change when your book comes out next year. And we will almost certainly be back around that time to do a draft, just coincidentally, um, on the Premier League of 94-95. <laughs> uh, Rob Smythe, you getting into flog? No. What are these? Plenty of 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 titles in your back catalogue, and you know that, listeners. Anyway, um, my new book is a new book. New book is out right now. The Pursuit of History Rangers, ninety two to ninety eight, where it all went wrong, and the complacent hedonistic. madness of the 1990s anyway that was a lot of fun gentlemen i hope you enjoyed it listeners uh we will be back next week um change of guests um change of topic and controversially change of sport cricket world cup of 1999 until then bye for now